Blog Talk Radio. Francis on Make Life Happen. It's going to be a brilliant day and a wonderful program because your life is going to be changed. Perhaps you already have had out-of-body experiences of all sorts of different sorts. Perhaps after life, death, after life or death, as they now say, the near-death experience. Perhaps you have floated out of your body during an operation. Perhaps you've actually practiced the art of astral projection or remote viewing. And maybe in the context of meditation or mindfulness practices, you have found yourself being able to elevate yourself beyond your biological being into some other state. Or perhaps you're in a frame of mind where this is all very bizarre, very beyond what we would normally expect, and yet you're willing to entertain the possibility because the possibility of you being able to live a life both in your body and outside your body will expand your sense of who you are and what powers you have to be truly living life as dynamically as you would like to. And in order to bring this home to you in the most effective way possible, Dr. Steve G. Jones has accepted the invitation to participate, and he is going to share with you the whys, the hows, the science behind it, the experimentation behind it, in order for you to be able to really go into the process, even if you're a skeptic or it just means beyond what you can do. So, Dr. Steve G. Jones, welcome to the Dr. Carol Francis Show. I'm so glad you could be here. Well, thank you. Great to be here. Um, tell us a little bit about your experience with astral projection. We're going to start with your stories, but then we're going to move on to the skepticism and the question and inquiries about it. So what is your experience with astral projection? Well, I started getting involved in it when I was a teenager. I was in Riverside Military Academy in Gainesville, Georgia. My parents had sent me to uh, military school. You know, a lot of parents threatened to send them away, but mine actually did. And so I felt kind of trapped. And I started reading a book by uh, a guy named Dr. Tuesday Lopsang Rampa, a, uh, who said in his book that he, was, uh, he had been a Tibetan monk and he was channeling that energy and I just kept reading and reading, and he was talking about things such as reading auras and astral projecting and, and uh, working with chakras, and I didn't know if it was real or not until I had a dream one night, and the dream that I had was that I was out after after 10 o'clock, that's taps, that's lights out, you're supposed to be in your room in military school after 10 p.m., and I had a dream that I was out of my room, and I was very concerned because I thought I would get in trouble, and there was another kid with me, who I would never associate with. He was, he was one of the, you know, quote-unquote bad kids, always getting in trouble. And we were there, and we were concerned we were going to get uh, get caught. And so we hmm. we hit behind a bus. Well, the next day I saw him at school, since we all lived there. It was a military school. And uh, I said, what did you dream hmm. about? And he said, well, I dreamt about you. And I said, can you be more specific? He described the huh. exact situation. And so Amazing. it was at that time that I realized I was onto something real. You know, it's these, these verifications of experiences like this that led me into wanting to know more about astral projection as well. But it, 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 when you 
use the word real, I really do think that that is a key thing I want to land on. The science behind astral projection, the research behind astral projection is still not caught up to the research behind biology or medical uh, interventions or pharmaceuticals. It's just not caught up to that. So therefore, how can an individual know that astral projection or out-of-body experiences are not just just part of our imagination? One of the best ways to do it, I think, is to uh, just have a friend write something on a uh, a card, like an index card or a post-it note, something of that size, just a number or a symbol or something, and to uh, put that in their room at night, perhaps on their dresser. And and then for you, to the person interested in, in quote-unquote, proving this, uh, you know, traveling in the astral world to their room, seeing that number or symbol and reporting back to them what it was the next day and seeing if they verify that. And has that happened to you? Yes. What was it like? Well, I was the one doing the reporting, so it was uh, very shocking for my friend. <laughs> he uh, he said, well, you must have uh, somehow stuck in my uh, my house and gotten to my room at night and uh, looked at it. Uh, there's really no other way you could have done that. And, uh, you know, I just, that's not the way I did it. I didn't, uh, <laughs> I didn't have to go to his house in his room to see it. So... It's uh, it's it's very interesting when you when you have some sort of evidence like that. Now that's not something that would hold up in a uh, a research paper. That's just not good enough. But it's something that would hold up to an individual to to convince you personally that that what you're getting into is real. Okay. So beyond beyond those sorts of experiences, which are, I, I whenever I have pulp soul journeys. Right there in the moment, I say, okay, you're going to go and travel to such and such a place, and I will just give the general parameters. They'll select out of the general parameters what they're going to do. And then in the process of that, they will go off, come back, and text the person they have visited. Where are you at? Give me some feedback. And then they will afterwards report, yep, that's where they were. I saw them where they were, doing what they were doing. And every time I hear this, I my jaw drops like, Really, this is so real. And if it is so real, Steve, why why are we not using this as more of our power, more of our expression of who we are? Well, it's I guess people look at it as sort of like, well, we all have similar dreams, something like that. I, I don't think that the general public realizes how to how to classify this or how to make it practical. Uh most people don't believe in it. Uh, most people have not uh, experienced conscious astral projection, so there remain just a few groups here and there who are who are into it, and a lot of isolated individuals who are into it. A lot of people buy uh, buy products on the internet about it, but they usually do that in the privacy of their own homes, uh, not working within uh, a network of you know support a support group of any kind. So, uh, and and then I think a lot of people are concerned about talking about it with others, you know, those at work and, and friends, because it just sounds so out there. So I think for these reasons, it hasn't gained more traction. So I know that you are an, a founder of one of the science researchers, science organizations. I'm not sure exactly what that does. I'd love to hear. Are you engaging in any sort of empirical data collection along these lines about astral projection or out-of-body experiences? Uh, we have in the past. We're not currently doing that, but uh, we 
we definitely have had an interest in that in the past. And one of one of the uh, interesting studies that was done a long uh, while ago before I started getting involved in this, in fact, I believe it was in the 70s, were uh, studies just simply taking the, the weight of, of a person's body uh, before and during astral projection and seeing if there's a difference. The theory there being that there was, you know, there is a, a measurable weight to the soul. Now, this is fascinating to me. Uh, we have not yeah. engaged in these studies, nor have, I, nor have I seen the data on these, and I don't know uh, who has done these studies, uh, so I'm not able to speak to their validity. But that's something fascinating that we will probably want to uh, explore at some point. And it would need to be, of course, a very precise scale measuring uh, very slight nuances in weight differences. And so the idea is you put someone on a scale, have them lie down, uh, have them consciously astral project, have them signal you somehow when they are astral projecting, and then notice if there's a difference in the weight of the body, therefore uh, potentially offering some sort of credibility to the idea that the, the soul is separate from the body and there is something measurable going on. It's that sort of empirical data that we're going to need moving forward if this is going to be part become part of the the mainstream knowledge of of human uh well anatomy if you will exactly okay so we can move into the process of uh how to how to do astral projection but before we do that you've mentioned on an incredibly good solid program that you offer the art of astral projection which is at theartofastralprojection.com that you do discuss that theta brain waves is the most ideal way, uh, most, I don't know, ideal state of mind in order to be able to access yourself or move yourself into this process. Have we studied what happens to individuals when they're in theta in, ter- in terms of cognitive process, the brain mapping, the neurological signals? Have we done any of that yet? Uh, there, there has been a lot of that done, uh, not by myself, uh, that, that's something that's done by, uh, I think a lot of psychologists are very into that, uh, into researching that. There's a, a branch of uh, psychiatry that looks at that in particular. So th- there is uh, a fairly robust uh, body of knowledge uh, that is outside of my realm of expertise, unfortunately, uh, that, but it does exist if, uh, if anyone wanted to access those journals. Now, this has also colored your metaphysical perspectives. Is that correct? Uh, yes, it's actually helped to uh, mold them in large part because I didn't necessarily have a metaphysical perspective before I started getting into astral projection and seeing auras and so forth. So what what are some of the paradigms or the approaches to to the world beyond who we are as human beings? Have you have you integrated or advanced in your own life and in your own practice that relates to astral projection so that people can understand the, the, the power this has, the, the, the ability to change perspectives that this has? Well, absolutely. Um, you know, my mother passed away when I was six. She died of leukemia. She wanted to see my sixth birthday, and a couple of days later, unfortunately, she passed away. And I remember my father coming to me and telling me about that and my attempts to visualize what he was talking about. I, I didn't really – he said she's with God now in heaven is how he put it. I, I didn't really understand what that meant. It was the first time in my life that I 
outside of TV that I had uh, come into contact with this concept of death, I didn't realize that that people passed away and I didn't know what that meant. And so ever since that point in my life, I, I had been struggling with understanding it. Then as I, as I grew older, I, I guess around eight or 10, you start to uh, figure out what death means. But at the time, I remember visualizing it. I remember thinking that her soul would be like a board, like a piece of um, plywood, in fact, a small piece of plywood that would fit in her body. And when she died, that that board would come out and lift upward. That was my visualization of uh, the soul leaving the body upon death as a six-year-old. And it's it's really not that far off. I don't know where the plywood uh, concept came from, but aside from that, uh, it's very similar to what actually happens, which is that the soul does leave the body. Now, when we look at astral projection, the soul leaves the body also, but it's connected to the body through the silver cord, connecting the umbilicus of the astral body to the umbilicus of the physical body, the belly button, if you will. And so we come back to it. We come back to the physical body, although we are able to travel in the astral world. And upon death, that cord is severed, and we just don't come back. So that concept and understanding what happens, uh, as I discovered as a teenager, when, when I started reading about these concepts, this really helped me immensely in just understanding life itself. You know, this is not the be-all, end-all. This is not uh, the the everything. This this three-dimensional existence we have here uh, is not is not the whole picture. There's there's something else going on. And just as I believe all the major religions of the world, and I was a, a preacher for a while for the Church of Christ, I should point out, from 1990 to 1995, uh, as I got into more of a religious quest, but I believe all the major religions of the world that teach this concept that you are more than your body, you are a soul, you are eternal, uh, life does go on. And so there's a, if nothing else, there's a tremendous amount of comfort in that. Um, the, the process of being able to be not dead and alive in this physical body and then being able to move to places, all sorts of different places, including places where individuals have died and we can go and visit them. And you mentioned that in some of your work. Um, what other places or what are the collection of places that you would encourage people to look into investigating? Well, I think people should understand, first of all, that they're, when you're in the astral world, you can see the three-dimensional world, meaning everything in your everyday existence, your home, your your car, your place of work, um, you know, your, your bank, your, the restaurant you go to, uh, when you go out to eat, all of that you can see from the astral world. It's not part of the astral world, but you can still see it from the astral world, sort of like being underwater. You can still look out and see, uh, though not perfectly clearly, you can see people's faces, you can see buildings on the shore. If you look, if you're in the water and you, let's say you're in a pool at a, at a hotel, and you look out from the water, you can still see the building, the people, and the, the lounge chairs. That's sort of like seeing the three-dimensional world from the astral world. But as you swim around in the pool, or better yet, if you're swimming in, in the ocean or something, a uh, more interesting body of water, you can also see what's in the ocean. And that would be equivalent to the, the things that exist in the astral world, the astral structures, which exist at a higher vibratory rate. And so... And that's why we don't see them in the three-dimensional world, because they are of that higher vibration. So the places that are 
that are interesting would be uh, one of the places that I think people would find most interesting would be Egypt. And uh, just seeing the difference between the, the pyramids of Egypt and the astral structures of Egypt. That's very interesting. And anytime you go to these one of these places where you have something really old and really fascinating in the three-dimensional world, when you look at the astral counterpart, which there doesn't have to be one, but many times there there is an astral counterpart, it's, it's far more elaborate and, uh, and far more interesting than, than what actually exists. It's also not subject to decay. So... I'd, uh, if I were to put together a tourist map for someone in the astral world, I'd say make your first stop Egypt. Hmm. That's an interesting suggestion. Okay, my, my first experience that I can verify of astral projection, I actually went to the MERS space station. I had not a clue of what was going on. I was so immersed in my life, raising kids, working, incredibly busy, didn't even know the MERS station was up there. I'm embarrassed, as I can say, to admit that, but it's just the truth of it. So here I was doing some astral projection, kind of experimenting with it, and I found myself uh, on the space station. Again, not knowing where I was, but I could see the astronauts, I could see the cosmonauts, I could see the configuration of the station, and there's something, some emergency had happened, and I could see what the concept, what the situation was. I started yelling at the astronauts, "Do this, do this, do this." Okay, so I came back in my body, kind of saying, "Oh wow, I have such a vivid imagination." Whew, interesting. Go to sleep. So that was kind of the way it was. The next morning when I woke up, driving in the car, turned on NPR radio, they had this announcement about this amazingly complicated situation that happened on the MERS station the night before. And I was I was in shock because what they were allowed to describe so paralleled to what I had actually seen. And the, the, the astronauts layout, what I was later able to investigate, I thought, oh, this is just mind-boggling. But it was after that, Steve, that I said to myself, this is not a realm to be taken lightly. This is not a procedure or process to be thought of as just a game. It can be that, loads of fun, very intriguing, but this is our one of our potentials, one of our capacities. And And as you said, every single religious writing somewhere in there has one of their teachers at the very least trying to describe this sort of process to individuals and say, this is yours to experience. This is yours in the bodily form to experience. So, see, I don't want people to, to with, withhold from themselves the opportunity to really go forward with this. And that's why I reached out to you and said, please, now teach us. I know you have a wonderful system, but teach us some of the steps, if you wouldn't mind, for people to take hold of, including the materials that you offer. Oh, sure. The well, the system that I've developed, uh, Vishen Lakiani, uh, he's a friend of mine. He runs a company called Mind Valley in Malaysia, and she mm. uh, called. He called me about, I guess, about six or seven years ago, and uh, and he was just getting started with this uh, this Mind Valley concept and uh, getting authors and publishing them. He saw that I had a lot of hypnosis stuff and some astral projection stuff online. And he asked me if I would be willing to uh, produce a, a a very elaborate and comprehensive um, system uh, for him uh, that he could then get out to the public to, to help them learn astral projection. So I started working on it, and it took about a year because the product he wanted was uh, the system 
that he wanted was just uh, very elaborate and uh, all-encompassing. So it's about, I believe it's about 18 hours of material uh, covering a lot of things. Now, I, I come at it from the premise of using hypnosis because I'm a hypnotherapist. I want people to understand you don't have to do it that way, but it but it works that way, and it's, it's an easy way to do it. Uh, sort of like if you're going into surgery, well, you know, they, they could sedate you or not, but it's going to go a lot more easily if they sedate you. So right. it's going to go a lot more easily if you use hypnosis because you'll be calm. And unlike, you know, sedatives, it's all natural. Uh, so you put yourself into a hypnotic trance and then you're able to, to calm down enough to be able to do this. A lot of times people get too anxious about it. So I teach you how to clear your chakras, raise your kundalini, which is the energy that, that powers uh, the whole concept, and then to slowly over a few weeks, uh, get different body parts out into the astral world to realize there's an exact replica of you in the astral in your astral body. So you have an astral arm, astral left leg, astral right leg, etc. And so you can work on getting them out, and then you get your entire body out. And then I give you uh, some instructions about where you can go, and you're kind of on your own at that point. But uh, the the program is available at theartsofastralprojection.com, theartsofastralprojection.com, and that's where we we created this. There's also a fairly uh, robust and active uh, Facebook community linked to that just to keep everyone uh, who is who is working through this, just to keep them encouraged. We have people on there who, who have, who are further down the road, who have been into it for a few weeks and are, are already having success. So they're, they are there to give tips to other people in the community to help them out. Okay, that's wonderful. Again, folks, theartofastralprojection.com. We're talking to Dr. Steve G. Jones. Uh, Dr. Steve G. Jones, how do people contact you elsewise for hypnosis as well? We'll just do a caveat right now, and then we'll go back to the discussion. But how do they contact you? Well, just my website, which is just my name, stevegjones.com. So that's stevegjones.com. Thanks. When individuals um, emerge out of their body for the first time, I know that you discussed that you went through kind of a birthing process. Uh, it, it felt like, there were, like the shackles of your physical body were somehow being disengaged in order to be able to free you up to travel is that a common experience? Should people kind of anticipate there's going to be something like that, or does it vary per personality? Or I mean, what, what's the variance of this? I, it's all over the map. It, it really does. Some people just kind of glide right out. Uh, some people just find themselves on the other side of the room. Some people have a bit of a struggle uh, as if uh, as a, as a baby uh, being born, which was similar to to my experience. Uh, you. It really depends, and as people, and I, I don't know what it depends on. I, it is multifactorial, I'm sure. I'm sure it depends on personality, as, as you mentioned. Uh, depends on their situation. Depends on their belief system. Also, uh, there probably probably a lot of factors that contribute to it. We're all able to do this. It's just our our belief system sometimes gets in our way and, and causes us to have uh, results that vary in terms of how we how we get out the first time. But my my experience was similar to uh, to a birthing experience. Um, how do you differentiate astral projection from an out of body experience or remote viewing or 
shamanic soul journeys or I mean are they all similar in your mind or is lucid dreaming akin to it how do how do all these kind of connect or not connect in your in, from your perspective a lot of them do connect uh, you have to realize that uh, people who are getting into this have to realize that there is also the ability for you to, to dream these things uh, for example if you're experience in the the mirror space station you thought it was a dream but you verified that it was not a dream uh it just as you know you could have you could dream about that obviously that was not a dream but there's nothing stopping you from dreaming about being on a space station i i can dream that tonight and uh and it can just be a pure fantasy dream now the fact that you heard verification of that shows me that you were astral projecting but not every dream about an experience is an astral experience. So we need to understand that uh, one of the ways you can really tell uh, is the way you feel in the dream. For example, my first time astral projecting, I felt like my body was just energy. I was just uh, made out of energy. It feels different when you're astral projecting. It doesn't feel like you're a passive observer. It feels like you are are vibrating. Uh, Another way to to figure this out is by, as I've said, have third-party verification where you look at a number or something and you report that back to them and see if that was the number or the symbol that they put out. Um, And in terms of psychic process, people going into psychic readings or looking as as if they can tell what's going on in another location, is, is that mind travel versus an astral body travel or do we know? Well, that's uh, a lot of times that's called remote viewing. Uh, a friend of mine named Bert does that quite a bit. He uh, he's very much into that. In fact, he developed a uh, program for Mind Mind Valley as well about remote viewing. And uh, when I was talking to him about a year ago in Hawaii, uh, we talked a little bit about this. And uh, some of it can be done, if not all of it, can be done without leaving your body. You do not have to leave your body. You can do it within your body. So, uh, remote viewing. Although you can do it in the ast- in the astral world, uh, doesn't have to be done in the astral world. Also, I should touch on something you mentioned earlier, which is uh, lucid dreaming. And this is a question I get all the time about uh, lucid dreaming. Is lucid dreaming the same as astral projection? And what's the difference if if it's not the same? Well, a, a dream is a dream, and even if it's a lucid dream, it's just a dream. And astral projection is a, an actual experience that you have, and so. When we have a lucid dream, we suddenly become aware of what's going on. And if if people haven't seen the movie uh, Waking Life, I recommend that. I don't. Uh, mm. I'm, I'm not tied to the movie. I'm not the producer or anything. I don't get any uh, any credits if anyone sees it. But uh, the movie Waking Life is a great uh, movie, uh, which shows how lucid dreaming works, and it shows some tests to figure out if you are lucid dreaming, if you think you're lucid dreaming. Lucid dreaming just means you kind of wake up in a dream. You you become aware, and but you're still in a dream. And so you can do a lot of things. It's kind of neat. And so one of the things I recommend in the movie is go to a light switch and flip it on and off. If, the light switch, if you flipping a light switch on and off doesn't affect the lighting in the room in the way that it should, then you're probably in a dream. So you, you do things like that, and you find out that you're not really in reality. So you're not astral projecting either. Uh, you're you're dreaming. So lucid dreaming is nothing more than being in a dream and becoming aware of the dream. Astral projection 
is different from that because astral projection means that you are out of your body and you are uh, able to actually do things in the astral world. Now, that's the, the technical definition, and there is a line of delineation there. One is a dream and one's reality. Uh, however, sometimes people think they're having a lucid dream when, in fact, they're astral projecting, or they think they're astral projecting when, in fact, they're having a lucid dream. So that's why these little tests become important. In a lucid dream, you wouldn't be able to uh, figure out something somebody wrote somewhere and report it back to them because you're just in your own head dreaming. But in astral projection, you would. So that's why these these validation tests are, are really handy. I know that when I went to the MERS station, I was actually awake. I knew where my body was. I was very conscious of my surroundings and the people that were in the room at the time uh, while I was doing this exercise of astral projection. And I think that um, compared to other events or other people, not everybody has that kind of dual consciousness, and yet I think that's possible. And I'm wondering what you think the the differences like the Hindu bifurcation or the bilocation process where they are conscious, they're in one location, and they are also embodied in some sort of visual, uh, I don't know what you would call it, some sort of people can see them. So this bilocation consciousness, how does that compare to astral projection? I mean, and I don't know how far we're going to get off the map on this, but I'm so curious about what you think about that. Well, I I don't really know how that works. Uh, I'm not that familiar with uh, the bilocation process. Uh, you'd probably need to um, bring someone else in on the call who, uh, or, or look look forward to an interview in the future with someone else who is aware of that. I, I unfortunately I'm not able to speak about that because I don't know anything about it. Okay, I totally appreciate you knowing where where you begin and where you end on that regard. You know, Michael Harner of Shamanic Foundation uh, decided decades ago that he was going to collect all the people who did shamanic journeying, which I think includes all these variations and forms, um, soul retrieval and soul journeying. I mean, just to me, there seems like there's a coalescence of experiences here that have so much divergence that we just really don't know. But he decided that he was going to get everybody to declare where they went, who they saw, what they experienced, and try to map out the soul universe, so to speak. Has anyone ever done that with astral projection where people map out and try to compare experiences, like, say, to Egypt or the Mer Station? Has has anybody done that or proposed that on any of your services or Facebook sites? Well, that... That that was done years ago by uh, a religious group called Ekankar. Uh, I believe they're currently, oh. or at least, have you heard of them? Yes, I have. Okay. Well, Ekankar, Ekankar is a religion. It's almost called Ek, E-K. Uh, I, they were led by Sri Harold Klemp. Uh, when I when I met with them in the 80s, I don't know if he's still around. They, they always have a, a new leader if, if one passes away, so you'd have to check it out. But Ekinkar, uh you know, I, I met with, I went to one of their functions in the 80s. I, I really didn't even know what it was that I was going to. I was just into, you know, going to everything. And so they, they came to town, and I, I was at the University of Florida, and they, they had set up something at a hotel, uh, and I, I went over there and saw and listened to a lecture on it. And they have books uh, describing the uh, the physical layout of, of the astral realms, not only at, in this 
not only the ones you can access from the earth plane, but but higher vibrations. Uh, so they have numerous books with with tremendous detail. So I'm not pushing any religion, and I don't know anything about Ekankara other than the fact that they that they believe in astral projection. It's a, a big part of their religion, and they have books on it. So if you want to get into uh, astral geography, I recommend uh, at least checking out their books. Have you done your own astral geography? Have, have I done what? I'm sorry. Your own astral geography, your own mapping of places uh, that you've gone and things you've experienced. Not in the not in the Lewis and Clark sense. I haven't uh, you know taken exact coordinates, but I have. And I put this in the program. Uh, I have looked at things and I have described them the things that I think are interesting, uh, but nothing in terms of uh, getting some kind of measurement. Uh, you know, measurements can be difficult because you're not able to bring a you know a tape measure with you or anything like that, for example, mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. any other large scale. Uh, laser type, you know, things that surveyors use now are, are more sophisticated uh, when they set them up on a tripod and, and figure out the uh, how long things are, where they begin and end and so forth. Uh, survey equipment is not something that you'll have access to in the astral world, so uh, <laughs> nothing so nothing fancy, but I have done a few descriptions. Yeah. Okay. So now we're talking about moving outside the body. Um, I decided recently, and I want to see what you think about this, that these sorts of experiences are so powerful that they must have the potential to create healing on the material realm, or the psychological realm, since I'm a psychologist, I also go in that, as well as relationships. So I thought I'd I'd experiment with my body. So I decided, why not go astral projecting into the cells of your body so that no realm is out of, I thought, no realm is out of my reach. That's what I want to believe, so I encourage myself to experiment with this. So I wanted to know what uses of this you have thought about or employed or experimented with in terms of bodily healing or moving into the cellular level of investigation. I haven't done any of that. I think that's fascinating. I really hadn't thought about it. I think that's a that's a great idea. I'd be fascinated to hear more about that. Okay. Um, well, we won't do it today. <laughs> so you also mentioned <laughs> on your site. I mean, we can, but we also mentioned on your site that the astral projection experience it liberates you to have a heightened state of your consciousness. And if we're more conscious, if we're more conscientious and more aware of the diversities of going on, how have you used that to create healing in yourself, your clients, your colleagues, your friends? How has that created some sort of transformation in people's lives? Well, once you're in the astral world, a lot of things become a lot easier. For example, seeing an aura, seeing your own aura, seeing other people's auras. So on a a macroscopic level, uh, and I appreciate the work you're doing on a microscopic level, but on a macroscopic level you can see uh, areas of the body that, that might need some attention. And once you learn how to uh, understand the colors of the aura, which is also covered in the program at theartsofastralprojection.com, uh, it's it's easy to, to figure out what's going on. So I found that it's been a, of tremendous value to be able to astral project because a lot of these things that people work on that they consider difficult, such as, uh, you know, psychic abilities, reading reading minds, and so forth, uh, 
you know, not not in an invasive way, but just having a communication with a lover, for example, or a close friend uh, at a psychic level. That becomes easier in the astral world. Seeing auras becomes easier. Everything becomes uh, a lot easier because you're just pure spirit. And you also get over the the uh, the I don't believe in this notion because you're already in the astral world. So you, your confidence rises tremendously, and that's a lot of times the barrier that people have between their ability and their inability to do something is how much they believe in it. So I, I have found tremendous benefit for myself and clients in that regard. You also connected to exploring the Akashic records and you know Edgar Casey using it to cultivate um, people's understanding, healings, uh, the, the the cultivation of money, uh, intimacy, sexual intimacy. Talk, talk about any of these aspects that come to mind in terms of how people can change their life in this material world by way of uh, accessing astral projection abilities. Sure. Well, a lot of times people who are in, let's talk Let's talk about physical intimacy first. I think that's a, a, a really interesting topic for people. Most people are interested in that or have at least had some experiences with that. Um, a lot of times what people report in terms of intimacy is that they wish they could sort of crawl inside the body of the other person. You know, physical intimacy only goes so far, and feeling a, a soul connection uh, can be kind of difficult in a physical sense with physical intimacy. And it's it's acknowledged by the people engaged in that that their their bodies have limits. That, you know, my body ends here and yours begins there. It's... it's uh, it's a set boundary in the physical world, and that's not going to change. But in the astral world, that boundary is is quite a bit different. You can you can actually bridge that gap between between the uh, the separate location of each body, and so it becomes far more intimate. And that's why people prefer things such as the you know the intimacy that you can have in the astral world. Uh, it's it's not the same as as the physical world, so it's there are there are pluses and minuses. You're not going to, uh, for example, create a child uh, in the astral world with astral intimacy. Uh, but on the other hand, you are going to get closer to the person on a literally on a soul level. So that's one of the uh, the realms that it helps. And also, if we if we take a complete turn from that and look at uh, finances. People wonder, well, how is astral projection going to help my finances? Well, a lot of times when people astral project, they're able to they're able to network a lot better because they're able to to reach out on a on a soul level to some of the groups or people that they would like to meet. So you can start to create those connections in the astral world. Meeting with people in their in their astral body is uh, a really good way to to get to know someone. Now you never use this to be invasive and to go somewhere where you're not invited. Just I think people should keep that in mind. Never go where you're not invited. And that's going mm-hmm. to keep you safe. But if you if you have uh, access to people in the astral plane who are already astral projecting, then you can meet with them there, just like you would meet with someone on the street and form a connection, which will then transfer over into a connection in the in the physical realm. So, for example a job opportunity or a business opportunity or something along those lines can transfer to the uh, physical aspect of that in the everyday life of the person. 
powerful implications here. Can you manipulate things in the material world from an astral point of view? Can you have impact on those sorts of things? You can, and again, I would apply the same the same concept uh, of not going where you're not invited. Also, don't uh, you know manipulate anything that you're not invited to manipulate. Um, you know, such as people's lives or you know uh, economic uh, situations or anything uh, official. Uh, but you can uh, work on yourself. That's always your best bet. Work on yourself. I mean, once you're astral projecting, you can see. Uh, you can see that there's a lot more to this life than than just what you've been seeing in your three-dimensional world. And you can sort of get together some some plans that would be a little bit more all-encompassing. I believe that the, the great contributions to the world recently have, have taken this global consideration, such as uh, Facebook, Google, Twitter, uh, LinkedIn, uh, all of these things that, that are that are very recent creations, if you think about them, they're taking a global perspective. They're, they're looking at, mm-hmm. at uh, product creation in terms of how many people can we actually help by creating one thing. And so you start yeah. to get perspectives like that. Um, you know, you're, you're talking about an ethics, like we haven't need to have an ethical code when we walk into these places, I, I think any time that we kind of cross into a whole new power, we have to kind of go, whoa, with this power, am I to be trusted? Because that's one of the reasons I think we stay out of our powers, that we're not so sure we're to be trusted. Uh, sad to say. But nonetheless, to to wonder, contemplate, well, what power do I have to affect a positive change? And what right do I have to determine what I think that positive change would be? There are dilemmas, but once you have the power to affect something, you need to contemplate, okay, if I can do this, I need to do something about this. So, for example, I was in a spiritual group and I said, if we could affect what's going on in Syria or in Egypt and you could have some powerful impact on the leaders there so that people were not being slain or hurt or uh, genocide, would you go do that? Would you take your astral capacities and influence what's going on? Would you go do that? So, Steve, I'm going to pose that same question to you. Would you, with your powers, your knowledge, influence international circumstances? Well, I, you know, I stay out of politics and I stay out of international <laughs> affairs and so forth. I, you know, I, the more I learn about politics and international affairs, the more I realize I don't know and I, and I don't really understand, uh, you know, what's going on and why it's going on. Uh, usually there's a lot more than meets the eye when you, when you look at a, an international situation. So the way I look at that is, you know, if, if I was running a business, which I am, and someone looked from the outside and said, hey, I, I know the answer. I know, you know, what's what's causing the, the bottlenecks here and what's what's slowing down things there and what's causing the lack of communication there. I'll just come in and spend a day and I'll fix everything. But I guarantee if they did that, they would mess everything up because they don't really understand the internal workings of my company. And so I look at it the same way. You know, if I go... If I have, uh, you know, an idea of how uh, there can be peace in the Middle East, for example, to the concept that I've heard about ever since I was a kid, um, 
that, and I went and I went in and I you know I had my agenda and I was going to affect things in a certain way. I guarantee that that, that I would do more harm than good because I really don't have a full understanding of everything that's going on. So again, it's the ethics of saying, even though I can do the astral projection, I must recognize I have limitations here. Let's not let's not mingle or, or cause complications. Let's not see ourselves as omnipotent, even though we have this additional capacity. Right, exactly. I mean, it's kind of like uh, the Matrix, you know, with Neo. If you uh, you watch mm-hmm. that, the, the trilogy, and he uh, obviously a fictional character, but he uh, his development his his fictional development in the in the trilogy is similar to someone's development in the world of astral projection. And fortunately, he realizes the old slogan, you know, with great power comes great responsibility. And so he uses his, his powers for good. Now, now, obviously, he has an agenda. He's out to do something. Yeah. And he eventually figures out how he can work within the system to affect positive change. And that's sort of the uh, the whole resolution of the trilogy. But he, uh, you know, it, it takes that sort of uh, that sort of mindset to to realize, uh, you know, what you can do and, and versus what you should do. And I, I would definitely suggest to people that they err on the side of staying out of other people's business. Again, I would wonder about this. I had a friend of mine who is uh, producing a movie about the walk in Spain. It's a spiritual, uh, you know, progress, a pilgrimage. And she called or contacted me in in a startled. She said, I'm so amazed at what I am understanding is going on in Europe, and I'm concerned about the powers that are going on here. And she was overtaken by the experience of that. And instead of being able to walk in her power, because she has a lot of different tools as well, she was walking in the consciousness of how big governments can be and influence in an antagonistic way the human existence. And it caused me to really ponder, we spend so much time being small about our humanity, that these sorts of Abilities, actual projection, remote viewing. I mean, space. The United States government tried to use remote viewing in order to be able to deal with the Cold War situation, Russia, um, and vice versa. There's there's so much utilization of these in the military aspects of it. And then I go to really kind of a sour uh, moment in our history, and that was Hitler. And Hitler was incredibly immersed in occult studies including what we're talking about, which in those days was called the occult, and now is not, thankfully. Um, but he tried to use these types of powers in addition to all of his other influences. So, Steve, it makes me wonder, what are we possibly not utilizing? Because we are timid about um, intermingling or messing things up. It's a, it's a moral question well, about these powers. <laughs> Sorry to put you on the spot there. No, that, that's fine, um, and you know I, I have heard that as well. That Hitler was very involved in just using everything he could to uh, to gain the uh, the power that he wanted. He was looking into uh, all sorts of things. He was very much in the mysticism and the metaphysical world. Uh, obviously, he had a very uh, very strong uh, physical presence as well, and they were manufacturing tanks and planes and guns and so forth, and training soldiers. So he was just coming at it from every possible angle that he could think of 
in order to uh, make the Third Reich, you know, the the one that finally took and the one that lasted. Uh, thank goodness his, his efforts didn't work. But if we look at, you know, if we look at uh, metaphysical investigation uh, at the governmental level, um, my now I, I don't have any insider information, and I'm not really. Uh, too interested in what governments do and so forth, but but I I know just from looking at what uh, you know what the government does over time that they're very forward thinking. You know all all governments are and they have to be in order to survive and be competitive. Uh, and I can guarantee everyone without knowing it, I I still know it without having verified it that that whatever there is uh, in the metaphysical world that can give a strategic advantage to to any country, they will investigate that uh, to the extent of their ability. I mean, look at even something on a smaller scale. Look at police stations. If police stations have a murder to solve and they're just, you know, butting their heads against each other and they don't know what to do, they'll call a psychic and they'll have the psychic come in and see what they can do. And because they have the why not attitude, well, why not give this a shot? So because of that, and because governments have tremendous resources and they can create entire programs for this, uh, I'm sure they look into these things. So I I would rest assured that whatever country you happen to live in, whoever's listening to this, uh, your government is working within within the realms of its capabilities to explore uh, metaphysical powers and so forth uh, in terms of uh, what it can do for the people of that country in terms of protecting them, uh, advancing their agendas, and uh, just staying as a uh, as a predominant power. Okay. So thanks, thanks for pulling it all of that, that metaphysical package in there. So now we as individuals, Steve, we're listening to you and we know that you are one of our teachers or masters or informants about what some of these metaphysical talents or tools or techniques are and that you pull it in in terms of NLP or hypnosis and, and way beyond those experiences. So remind us again our own personal powers, our own personal capacity to reach beyond the limitations of our body or our now or our moment into the metaphysical realms and integrate it all together. And if you don't mind using examples of people you know without breaking confidentiality or of your own life, I, I think this would help people realize this is truly available, accessible, and usable by them in their everyday life. Um, sure. Well, it, what's that? No, go ahead. Sorry. Okay. The... Um yeah, I, well, due to the nature of my, my job, you know, as a hypnotherapist I, and, and someone who has uh, created a program on astral projection, I, I have access to, you know, a lot of people who have this, this interest. They, they email my office or they call the office or, or I see them as clients and they, they have an interest in astral projection. So so I've seen a lot of success stories with this. So I, you know, I'm, my data is kind of skewed because they're – they're they're sort of around me, the people who are interested in it and having success with it. But yeah, we've had this. I mean, this art of astral projection. We've had this out for uh, for a number of years now, and uh, we've gotten a lot of feedback and a lot of uh, a lot of discussion about it. And there's there have just been all sorts of success stories uh, with people uh, reaching their financial goals because they're able to have more of a global view of what's going on uh, with people. 
uh, working on themselves to resolve health issues. Now, anytime someone even thinks they have a health issue, I recommend going to the doctor. That's what I do. I go to a medical doctor first. And then if you want to look into other things, uh, you know, the blessings of the medical doctor, then then do so. But you have to realize that uh, Western medicine has come a, a long, long way. And a lot of times you know, we go looking for metaphysical solutions to things when actually uh, medicine has, has it worked out for us in a, in a much easier way. So I always do that first, and I recommend that other people do as well. But there are some things that are beyond the scope of of Western medicine. They just throw their hands up and they say, we're not there yet. We, we, don't, we don't know what that is. We, don't, uh, we have a broad classification for it, but we don't really know what to do for you other than make you as comfortable as possible while you're suffering with it. In those instances, using something like astral projection has been of value to people, and I've, I've had feedback on that. You know, people getting into the astral world, looking at their bodies, figuring out where the, the challenge area is, and starting to send energy to it, for example. So there are a lot of uh, situations like that where astral protection really comes through. Okay. Do you have, like, stories or people, <laughs> you know, really, okay. really land us in our everyday moments here? Okay. Uh, let's see. Well, I have I have people all the time who I, I work with, uh, usually online, and usually they, they ask for support by email, but... Uh, they're having challenges getting out of their physical bodies, and they're then they they start to not believe anymore because it's just so difficult for them because they've made it difficult. And so I, you know, one specific instance I remember a couple of weeks ago, a lady was uh, just sort of getting an arm out and then going it was going back in, and she was about to give it up. She said it just wasn't for her. Uh, and what I recommended was just being more calm. She was just, and this happens to a lot of people, she was just pushing, 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 got to get out of my physical body. And because of that, she's creating anxiety, and anxiety works against astral projection. You have to be calm in order to do it. That's why you do it so easily when you're sleeping. That's one of the reasons. And so just by you know a series of emails, I was able to calm her down, able to teach her some breathing techniques, then she was able to do it. Now she's able to successfully astral project. Okay. You also say that people use astral projection to visit the dead. And um, so I'll speak to my own testimony. My mother recently passed, and uh, we had had a really tight connection. I was having dreams about her before passing and about relatives that she would see. Dreams, visits, you know, it's hard to differentiate. When she did pass, there were a series of amazing events that occurred that really did indicate that she indeed is present and is around um, that I won't delineate. So I decided, no, I'm just going to use my experience as an astral projection person and go visit her and find out what's going on. You know, Steve, the experience of doing that made me realize it's a veil between those who have passed on and those who of us that are in body, body form or material form as we conceive it to be, that veil is really not all that thick, and they're not really all that distant. And that was a powerful movement in my, in my experience of what was going on. Now, I can go into the details of how I verified it and so forth and so on because I tend to really want to think, have things verified, not just my imagination. But more to the point was that experience of being able to use this and say, okay, I'm going to go visit all sorts of different realms. And you talk about 
using uh, astral projection to communicate with the dead. Can you share some of those experiences that you've had along those lines? Oh, sure, I'll be glad to. And I, I should point out that I have a, uh, a video interview coming up at the top of the hour, which is in five minutes that I'll need to prepare for. But, uh, okay, very good. Real okay. Uh, real briefly, um, yeah, I I have had a lot of uh, positive feedback about that. And that that's common. You know, people have a relative who passes away, and they, they miss that relative or friend, and they want to get in touch with them. And a lot of times that's what drives people to looking into things such as astral projection uh, online or, uh, you know, asking around about it and stumbling upon astral projection as a tool to uh, access uh, someone who's passed on, for example. And so, you know, I myself uh, have benefited from this. My mom, as I pointed out, passed away when I was six. Uh, my dad passed away about nine years ago. And so having this tool to be able to uh, communicate with them has been just a, a very wonderful thing. And so I have reports all the time uh, from people. Just, just about a month ago, I saw someone in one of the uh, one of the spaces that we use to, uh, to have our community chats uh, talking about how her dad had passed away and she was able to use astral projection to, to talk to him. And he... He didn't give her, you know, any last, uh, he didn't say any final words. You know, she felt kind of like something was missing there. He didn't uh, wrap it up. And so when he talked to her, he did. He gave her the, the final words that he that he wanted to share with her, uh, which were, of course, wonderful things about how she was a, a beautiful, wonderful daughter. He hoped for the best. You know, things like that. That's what people want to want to hear. They want to know the person's okay. And they want to uh, feel that love connection again and, of course, any message that the person wants to share. And so, yeah, I, I hear things like that a lot. Wonderful. Well, with that, thank you so much for joining us. Individuals, you can contact Dr. Steve G. Jones, at Steve G. Jones, as well as at The Art of Astral Projection. Steve, enjoy your videotaping. Thank you so much for sharing your ideas. I'm going to keep the listeners on and walk them through an astral projection moment right this very instant. You've been wonderful. Any final departing words you'd like to share? Well, I always like to end with this, which is a quote from the musical group America, which says, Oz never did give nothing to the Tin Man that he didn't, didn't already have. And, of course, that's a reference to The Wizard of Oz, giving a physical representation to the Tin Man of something he already had, uh, people have to realize that they already have within them the ability to change, the ability to improve themselves, the ability to astral project, the ability to, to help themselves in a number of ways. But sometimes we need a gentle reminder of that. And that's where things such as hypnosis come in and things such as programs to help you astral project come in. So I encourage people, if they need a gentle reminder of just how powerful they already are, to, to take advantage of these tools that exist. Absolutely. Beautifully said. Thank you for empowering us, and have a great day, Steve. Appreciate it so much. You too. Thank you. Take care. Well, listen, I want you to continue on this process because it's now your opportunity to be able to walk into an astral projection. And I want you to be able to close your eyes. So you can only do this, obviously, when you can close your eyes. Now, the the form of hypnotherapy that's often used in this sort of thing involves me being able to help you relax. Uh, Dr. Steve Jones, G. Jones has a very comprehensive system, and I really do encourage you to look it up. Again, the site is called theartofastralprojection.com. Because that will be able to help you move into something. If this 
simple approach does not help you move, then the more complex approaches are available for you. And do not lose out on this. This is an incredibly powerful experience in people's lives once they're able to actually tap into it. You begin to realize that you are way more than your physical body, but you're also your physical body. You begin to realize that your physical body is so powerfully capable of interfacing with your mind and your spirit and your soul because you can visit a connection or relationship with your physical body and then also move outside of that physical body while it rests and relaxes. And so now while I'm talking to you about that, just allow yourself to rest and relax. And employ your ability to be skeptical because absolutely I applaud using scientific methodology or your own research methodologies. And Steve mentioned what he would recommend. It's a very simple approach to it, using a friend to write a note that you can go visit. There's so many ways of going about that. You're going to use your own as well. But right now, allow your skepticism to kind of move aside just a little bit, like move it to another part of the room and say, I honor you, you're valid, you're reasonable, absolutely keep me attached to reality, not just in figments of my imagination, a runaway wonderful imagination, and just allow that skepticism to move to the side. And now you kind of vision that, move back into your physical body, and just be aware of your breathing, your heart, the way your blood is surging through your veins and your arteries, the way your feet are experiencing their presence in shoes or barefoot or socks, whether your feet are up or down, if you're lying down or sitting comfortably, just go ahead and have an experience of your room, the way the air is hitting your face, the way the light is coming through your closed eyes. Just go ahead and experience all that. And notice how comfortable it is just to be comfortable in your body. And you can have so much power just in your body and never do any of these sorts of things. And that power can be accessed with all sorts of different ways. NLP, hypnosis or two that Dr. Steve G. Jones mentions. All the tools of psychotherapy and psychology, which I utilize and have for 32 years. And so those are all available to you and honor your body's ability to be very powerful in this particular materialistic world. You're not going to lose contact with any of that, and you want to expand and benefit that as well. Now allow your mind to kind of ponder that beyond your body there exists unknown realms, and perhaps you've had some experiences with that. Perhaps you've had near-death experience or afterlife experiences. One that I'll just share while you're contemplating living out of your body is when I had my tonsils out and I was five years old, I have this recollection clearly of seeing the nurse and the doctor as I'm hovering over them in a corner of the room. I see my body. I see the doctor. I see the nurse. When I recall that event, I had no anxiety about it whatsoever and didn't even realize that it was an unusual event as I was growing up until I began to hear people talk about out-of-body experiences. But, oh, yeah, sure, I know that one <laughs> because then they're done that. It was so natural at that time. It wasn't my even knowing. I didn't even know I was going into having my tonsils operated on. And here I was having a complete conscious experience of it, not in my body. So would you like at this very moment to have a little bit of that or a lot of that? So allow yourself to use your imagination. And the thing that Dr. C.G. Jones and I did not elaborate on is the power of imagination. So I want you to embrace it. 
Your imagination can deceive you, and your imagination can also guide you. Imagination has led to every single thing that around you has been invented by man to be created. First, that invention came in the imagination of an individual. And then a long series of processes became a materialistic object, the very phone and computer I'm using for this program. The very object that you're sitting on or lying on is invented by a human being. Chances are, even if you're on grass, there it is. It was planted by a human being. It said we can actually tame nature and make it comfortable and beautiful for us in a tamed sort of way so that our imagination is a vehicle for what we can create. Our imagination can deceive us as well. Our imagination can also lead us to experience our bodies so that our bodies feel detached from our consciousness. And you can allow yourself to have this wonderful experience of floating, that sensation of just having your mind, your soul, your being, your personality float above your physical body, as if you just kind of lift yourself above your physical body. And then there in that floating, maybe an inch or two above, that sensation is white, pleasant, peaceful. Now move yourself back into your body. Feel yourself move and shift back into your physical body and feel the presence of the sensoriums around you, the feeling of air, the feeling of firmness, the feeling of textures, smells, the sensation of light, although don't open your eyes. That all those You can feel your body. Your body's right there. You can feel your heart and your blood, your breathing, your skin. Now, pause and relax and once again, Decide it's time to float, just a little bit of floating, just a feeling the sensation of your body being distant from you, and you rising above your body, just a sensation of floating, like you would float on water. And even the very experience of remembering what it's like to float on water, to feel light, to feel lighter than water, to feel lighter than air, to feel lighter than your body, to kind of move up, and out and relax in it. Enjoy it. And if it is your imagination that gives you that sensation, then at this moment, allow your imagination to support it. Just enjoy it. Because this imagination can catapult you into experiences that allow you to journey beyond into verifiable, statistical uh, situations that you can, you can, we can strategize. We can strategize to be statistical about the research. We can strategize to discover what your brain waves are right now and relating to your ability to move out of your body. We can strategize to experiment with all of that. And we will, and we do, and we have. But right now in this moment, as you move aside the skeptical side, if you allow your imagination to once again lift yourself out of your body to float, now, as you float above your body, try to move a little more at distance. That's right, just a little bit farther away from your body. You might just experience that you have a sense of yourself moving and present with something else. Move toward that something else. Is it that you're moving toward a plant, a tree, a chair, a wall, a mirror? Move away and move from body and move toward something else that's away from your body with a purpose, an intention, a goal, a presence moving toward. And in that process, experience as much as you can the definition of what it is you're moving toward. 
Do you experience the energy? Do you experience the shapes? Do you experience the colors? Do you experience the presence of it? And one thing that's kind of fun to do is if you are in the presence or in front of what you would otherwise consider a solid form, know inside your cognition that nothing is solid, that there's more space between molecules than there is solidness within a molecule, that there's more space in a wall than there is actual solidarity. But is that your physical body's out of sync with the molecules that are shifting and moving inside of something that appears to be solid outside your body? Yes, we know that by science. Now, imagine as you are lifted out of your body and moving toward this solid object, being able to float through the object. Is it through a chair, through a couch, through a wall, through a tree, through a door? What is it through? But feel the sensation of moving through. And you might have all sorts of different responses. You might pause in the middle and look around and see what the interior is like. You might move all the way through and feel the the kind of gooey, sticky, your presence of what you have just moved through. Or it might feel that you are so in harmony with what's moving or so free to move that you just move through as if it's ethereal, not really present, although it is a presence. And now move back into your body. Move back into your body. Perhaps some of you can actually look at your body and see your body resting peacefully, comfortably with all its physiology moving and functioning well. Move into that body. Feel it, know it, and pop back in. And now you're popping back in. Feel how good it is to be inside your body. There might be pain that you came in with, (laughs) that you had some sort of ache or discomfort or cold or process that you were dealing with inside your body. But nonetheless, it's also good to be in your body. You feel that sensation, smells that are delicious or tactile responses that are soft or smooth or comfortable or the sense of what is around you that's making it feel pleasant to be you or pleasant to be in your space. Now, be at peace with inside your body. And just note for the moment that there is an easy flexibility of being in and out. You are out of your body so many times in the course of the day when you are looking at something and experiencing it in a thought or when you close your eyes and you're experiencing it in a daydream or when you are pondering what your plans are going to be and what you're going to need to do when you get home and you have to garden and wash clothes and wash dishes, you are moving out of your body and into a recollection or a process or plan that you know, something that you know. You are accustomed to moving out of your body with your mind. And now we're saying move a little bit bigger, not just with your mind, but with your sense of your essence, whatever you consider that to be. Your personal essence might be body. It might be soul. It might be spirit. I don't know what your metaphysical or your spiritual or your perspective is, but your essence of who you are is both within the context of your body and in the context of your mind in the context of your imagination and your daydreams, in the context of your ability to plan, in the context of your dreams, and now in the context of your astral body. So that your astral body essence, a totally different form of who you are, is now able to travel away from your physical body 
and include your mind and your ability to perceive and include your ability to experience what goes on, but without the encumbrances of time and space. You know how you have this mental capacity to think about a wonderful idea. You can go from the beginning of wanting to write a book and to the end of what it would be like to have that book done. And in in a matter of seconds, you have the whole book written and you're out there promoting your book. In a matter of seconds, you can go from the beginning of a complex issue or task and know what it's going to be like to be done. And then when you move back into your body and out of this daydreamer plan or process that's mentally able to be captured by you in imagination, you move back into your body, you realize that you have a time and a space and that to execute what your mind has just imagined is going to take time and going to take physical interaction and going to take interfacing with space so that there's really no way your body is connected to time and space. Your astral body is not connected to time and space other than to be able to have a sense or perception of time and space. It can perceive time and space. It can move through time and space. It can go to an actual location. It can go to an actual location in a time. And with remote viewing, we have a sense that perhaps we can even remote view into the future. But to go into astral time and space perception is different than having a limitation or encumbrances of time and space. So, now with all of that information, there you are back in your body. I put you back into your mind. Did you notice that? I was speaking to your cognition, your ability to think and contemplate and wonder. Your your recollection, oh yes, I identify with that. Your Your sense of who you are. I put you back into your conscious self, your mind, who you are and what you think about and what you do and what you plan. Now, let's go back into your body. Feel your toes and your legs and your knees, your thighs, your hips, your stomach, your abdomen, your chest, your breathing patterns. Listen to the pattern of it, deep and full or superficial or shallow. Experience your shoulders attached to your arms and your fingers and wiggle your fingers and your toes and yawn and and experience your face and your jaws, your nose, your eyes, your hair. There you are, you're in your body. Feel what your body is touching and how it is touching your body. Feel the pressure points, feel the comfortable points, feel the texture, feel the sensation of air around you, and sense, even with your eyes closed, what the lighting is like. There you are, you're in your body. Physical consciousness. And to the degree that you can walk physically conscious, you can accentuate your power as an athlete. You can accentuate your power and strength as an exercise. You can you can extend your wonderful tone and trim of your body. And this is how we use the interfaces, NLP, hypnosis, etc., to be able to harness your physical body's capacities in this time-space realm. Okay. Now I'm going to move you into your astral experience. So relax and take a deep breath. Be within your body. And now experience the sensation of just kind of gently floating above your body, above your toes, above your legs, above your chest, above your face, above your hands. And note that it feels like you're just slightly disengaged, slightly different, slightly away, that your body feels slightly estranged to you, slightly distanced from you, and keep moving away, knowing you can go in and out, Keep moving away from your body. Move towards something in your environment 
choose something different. Perhaps you're going to go choose a, a space that's in the neighbor's backyard. Or maybe you're going to go to your car and experience something and try to find something in your car that you can identify later. See the back seat. See what is there on the floor that's kind of hidden from your view as a driver. See what you can note about the dirt or an object or the item or something that's there or what it looks like. Speaking brand new clean or a little bit of something there or something you left you were looking for, just kind of take a look. What's even more fun is move into your trunk. You can shift and move into a space that seems otherwise completely locked and unable to be perceived by you. But there you are. You can just pass right through all the metal and fabric. And there you are in your trunk. Look around. And you'll notice that you have a little bit of consciousness that your body typically doesn't fit in that space. But as an astral body, you're really not confined to any sort of sense of tightness. But there you are. You're in the presence of your trunk. Look a lot around your trunk. What amount of light is coming in at that time of day for you? What darkness is present? What objects are there? Now notice that you might, if this is one of your newer experiences of trying to do this, you might be moving into your memory, trying to, trying to access what you think you know, what you can remember, what you know you put there, what history is associated to the back of your car, the trunk of your car. That's fine. So there's an experience of your memory. But now feel like you can make a shift to being present. That you're very present there. You can perceive, experience. There's a type of touching that takes place. A type of seeing that takes place. A type of sensing and hearing that takes place. Okay, now in that process, move back from the trunk of your car and back into your body. Go back to your body. Look it up. Go back yourself. Let's go back your body. Move back into your body and enjoy the sensations that you experience when you're back into the material presence of time and space in the vessel, the wonderful vessel, this amazing vessel called your body. Move into it. Experience it with a sense of wow. I mean, after all, this body has 57 plus trillion cells in it that all work in conjunction to create an identity that you call yourself. They all work together in conjunction to create what level of health you have created. They all work in conjunction to make you an amazing collection of cells, amazing collections of cells that have your DNA imprint written right on each and every one of them. Amazing to move into that body Pop into it, be present with it, and be so amazed with your body. And I mentioned this next step with uh, Steve, and I wanted to know what he had experienced with this. A new, new contemplation for him to go on a cellular level. But right now, go to a portion of your body that feels a little discomfort. Maybe it's not quite well. Maybe there's something going on there. Maybe there's something you want to improve, a health issue. And go there, and go there with a sense of love. Go there with your mind, go there with your memory. Go there with your, your, your physical sensation now that you're in your body. Go in the presence of who that part of you is and imagine the cells inside of there 
all different variations and the themes of cells that are carrying out a function right in this moment that's about you being alive, about your body being alive. So you're using your imagination, your memory, your sensory experience, and you're using your mind. Now see if you can astrally move yourself into your cell, the cells of that portion of your body, and maybe thousands of them. I don't know what portion of your body you chose. And experience the energy of the cells as if you energetically are now in the presence of the energy of your cells. And in your energy, exude love and appreciation and healing attitudes toward those cells. Love, appreciation, and the energy of healing toward those cells. Again, exude love toward those cells. Exude a sense of energy, healing, wonderful, amazing, delicious energy. And now that sense of healing. Your contribution mentally, astrally, imagination, the whole of all these different parts of who you can be can be in the presence of your physical body to engender something positive inside of it. Now I'm going to move you quickly into another experience. And that is, let's talk about your finances. I want you to imagine your ability to understand money, not in terms of what you have in your bank account or your wallet, not in terms of your bills, but in terms of energy. In order to be able to do that in light of astral projection, I want you to to take yourself, float yourself out of your body, float yourself out of your experience, just float, just be in kind of a floating non-form attitude and just wonder about your own sense of energy as a soul or entity or essence. Laugh and enjoy that you are this essence. You're not attached to time or space or body or materialism. You're just this essence. And I want you to experience money and finances as nothing more than energy as well, as it is an essence. It is essentially that experience of just energy. The individuals that make a huge amount of money have that attitude toward it. And I can't go into that in more depth right now, but it is just an energy they're going to harness to make their life better, to make them feel like they've succeeded, whatever their goal and motivation is. For you, money right in this moment is nothing more than energy. Now, I want you to imagine money as energy and that you just are pulling it towards you. You're pulling it towards your body and allowing money as energy to be present and available for your body. You're pulling this energy towards your environment, whether it's an apartment or house or office, car. You pull the energy of money, wealth, richness, capacity, and you're pulling it towards yourself, and you're receiving it. You're receiving it without limit, without ethics of concern if you'll misuse it or not because you're going to use it positively. Just assume that and let that be so. You pull it towards yourself, not worrying about if you're being greedy because you're going to use this in such wonderful ways to help you and others. So you just let that be. That's just going to be the way it's going to be. It's fine. Don't worry about it. Pull that money towards yourself and all of yourselves. Your mind, your imagination, your soul, your spirit, your essence, your physical body, 
Pull it towards yourself and receive it. Receive it again with appreciation. Thanks, energy, for being here. Receive it as if you are now in harmony with it. Not at odds. Not feeling like it's lacking, but feeling like it's so plentiful. So wonderfully, wonderfully plentiful. Like the 57 trillion cells in your body, the 57 trillion dollars in the world. So wonderfully plentiful. It's there, all around, at ease, comfortable. And there you are in your essence, in the form of a type of form of an astral experience, experiencing money as an essence. You know, money is nothing more than a human creation that we use as a paradigm that keeps us organized in the commerce of our lives. Outside of that, outside of that being just the currency, it is energy. It is the energy of plenty. It's the energy of plenty. And you can pull on the universe that sensation of the energy of plenty. And there you are. Experience it as much as you can. And what's nice about this radio show is you can listen to this over and over again to increase that experience of what goes on. And you know that Stephen G. Jones has many available tapes along this line. I do as well. Many hypnotherapists do. So you have access to a plethora of individuals that can help you move into your energy, your essence, and be able to summon the essence of really wonderful things to yourself as well. Let's move into that sense of love. So you as an essence, yes, with your body, yes, with your mind, yes, with your imagination, yes, with the tasks and plans of your day, you with all of that, now in this astral experience, the sensation of yourself, without being having to live tied down to space and time in this moment can be in your essence, an astral essence. And you can be in the experience of love. I want you to experience love as an entity that is just a presence, an energy that's just a presence, and just allow it to be yours. Not yours to own and hoard and greedily clamp onto, but yours to equally, along with anybody else, be able to receive. Let it be there. Bathe yourself in it. Enjoy it. Honor it. Appreciate it. Soak it in. Lavish in it. And there you are. That wonderful, wonderful experience of you. Love. There it is. The essence, the energy of love. And the energy of love as you pull it towards you and you radiate it, letting every cell in that body that you just traveled from, now go back to that body and bring that sense of energy, bring that sense of energy of money, bring that sense of energy of love, and now move into your body. And feel your body and your breathing and your heart and your veins and your arteries, your toes wiggle and your fingers wiggle, and there you are, you're back there. You're right back there. And you have your mind and your imagination and your plans and your physical sensations. And in addition, you have this experience of money. You have this experience of love. You have this experience of this cosmos that is yours to explore and possibly to impact. You have this experience of you and allow your body now to enjoy it. Allow your body to radiate in every cell the enjoyment of that experience of love. 
Let every cell in your body just tingle with that sense of love. And in like manner, let every part of your body tingle with that energy of plenty, that energy of plenty that turns into a measure of our currency of money as we have created in a human paradigm, a human construct called money. But it's the energy. Allow your body to enjoy it. Allow the cells in your body to enjoy it. Allow the physicality and the sensorium of it impact the part of you that lives confined but also free to be in the time and space of who you are. The powers of astral projection, of remote viewing, of -of out-of-body experiences, of being to move beyond the veil of life versus death, the the, the afterlife experiences, all of these amazing processes are available to you. And I step into knowing that we need to do so much more scientific research to validate that these are available to you. Right now, we're in the infancy of accumulating narrative information that creates a sensation in those people that this is real. And narratives eventually lead to statistics. And statistics eventually lead to us trying to figure out how in the world are we going to be able to actually know that these are true, honest experiences available to all human beings. Meanwhile, create your own narrative experiences. Experiment and don't live within the limitations of skepticism. Allow skepticism to guide you into being as objective as you can be in your body and in time and space. But don't allow that skepticism to keep you from expanding yourself way beyond what limits you live with every day. This is Dr. Carol Francis. Thank you so much for enjoying this with me. The enjoyment of speaking with Dr. Steve G. Jones has been amazing. And move into the enjoyment of being you. Bigger, broader, wonderful you. And make life happen for you and those around you in a much broader sense than you ever could have imagined for this program. Dr. Carol Francis, 310-543-1824 or drcarolfrancis.com. You can reach me. Let's connect. Facebook, Dr. Carol Francis as well. You be well, you be big, you live way beyond those limits and let me know all about it. Take care.